Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Attention BetMGM customers. Have a friend who loves sports as much as you do? Here's a chance for both of you to earn a $50 bonus when they sign up through BetMGM's Refer a Friend program. Just sign into your BetMGM account and click on the Refer a Friend program to send your friend a message inviting them to register a new account in the same state you use BetMGM in. Once your friend signs up and makes a deposit, they'll receive a $50 bonus. And once your friend places a bet with their bonus and the wager is settled, you'll receive a $50 bonus as well. Share the excitement and get a $50 bonus every time you refer a friend to BetMGM. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Ohio only. New and existing customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets. Bonus bets expire in 30 days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. Joined here today by Gabe Ferguson. We're going to get right to it and talk about the Justin Houston signing today. Big news in Ravensland. How you doing, Gabe? I'm doing well this morning. Uh, still the morning here on the West Coast. Uh, thanks for having me on, Ken. Um, very exciting news. I think Twitter is a buzz with this signing. It's a, it's a thing that a lot of Ravens fans wanted to see happen. Yeah, I mean, I I think that that uh, the desire for this acquisition goes back far enough, and uh, you know, you you look at this and it has a lot of the earmarks of a typical DaCosta, typical Ravens signing. Uh, you know, I think the biggest issue with this almost isn't exactly what Justin Houston brings to the table. It's the patience the Ravens shown with both the Houston and the Villanueva signings to maintain their comp picks, hold their water, wait to sign these guys. And I don't think it costs them certainly in terms of contract value on the back end. Yeah, absolutely. I think it shows that it pays to be patient. I mean, sometimes you might lose out on a player too, but when you look at the entirety of the players that are available and you see what the market is, and you see, you know, what other teams might be out there and looking for a veteran like this, you can kind of take your your time and, and really make sure you get him at the value that you want. And that's exactly what happened with Justin Houston. They brought him in, I think, maybe over a month ago, maybe two months ago at this mm-hmm. point, um, had him for a workout, had a conversation with him. They liked him. Just Justin Houston liked the Ravens. That was a good fit. But, you know, the money didn't quite work then. You wait a little bit longer, see what happens. Now the money works. Yeah. So good, good take it to the market as Ozzy would do even with his own players at the thing is basically, well, why don't you go out on the market and see what you're worth? We like you. We think you're worth this to us, you know, but if you can make more, Hey, no problem. We understand. And, you know, with Justin Houston there, there, he's obviously been, 
trying to drum up interest or his agent has around the league. And, and this is where he is here at this point in his career. Uh, he's uh, 30, almost 33, like 33 in January, uh, coming off an eight sack year with, with Indianapolis. It doesn't quite tell the whole story. I think it's fair to say that Houston declined as a pass rusher in 2020. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. I mean, he's definitely not the player he was maybe five years ago in terms of one of the elite kind of edge rushers in the league. Um, I was just looking at his stats back in 2014. He had a 22-sack season. Mm -hmm. He's certainly not that player anymore, but he still brings that veteran leadership off the edge. He, he has a good repertoire of pass rush moves. He understands the, you know, the leverage of the position. Um, he may not have that elite, elite athleticism, but he mm -hmm. does bring a real presence, and it's a veteran leadership that the Ravens are kind of lacking at that position outside of Renal McPhee. Yeah, great point. And they, they had success with McPhee, an older player, in terms of preserving uh, his ability to play a fair number of snaps, which is, you know, frankly, what McPhee's done in terms of rejuvenating his career since he came to Baltimore again is fairly remarkable in terms of an increased snap load. And Justin Houston, I would see as being a pure situational pass rusher. Last year, he played about, I think, uh, PFF had him for a little over 400 snaps of pass rush and a little over 100 snaps of, of run uh, defense. That's what he'll see in Baltimore too. He's not going to play very many rundowns. He'll be in there on obvious passing downs. And in, in his case, I would think less is more in terms of expected productivity. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, I, th I think that the Ravens have the depth at the position now that they can rotate a number of players in and out. You know, you just drafted OA, who's going to be a, probably an early down run set edge setter for them. He's a good, at least in college, he's a good run defender. Um, Bowser, obviously, is your most versatile outside linebacker. He can play the run. He can drop into coverage. I think he'll still be in probably trying the most snaps of any outside linebacker yes. for the Ravens. But, you know, you have a good mix of players who are capable of doing different things. Yeah, I mean, let's 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 talk about that. And I think that's really the next topic is how does this defense change with Justin Houston here? And and it's a uh, this is broad strokes, but there's there's a lot of change. The outside linebacker position, it was like a Tetris puzzle in terms of trying to figure out who's going to play what downs prior to this acquisition. Now I think a lot of that falls into place. Uh, we eliminate a couple of rows to extend the analogy, but but uh, uh, Justin Houston uh, will be an obviously a pass rush specialist and he doesn't bring a lot else to the table. So that means a player like Owe, who I would see as being only a player on the outside and not a guy the team would move inside, would likely get a few less pass rush snaps, even when the Ravens are playing one of their four outside linebacker or race car packages. Yeah, I think that could be the tr accurate in terms of the true kind of edge snaps where he's just kind of is coming off the edge. But one of the things that I'm envisioning with OA, and it might depend on how quickly he can pick mm -hmm. up the, the you know, playbook, but he has that athleticism, that versatility to kind of move around off the ball, similar to what we've seen from Judon and Bowser in the past, come in, um, you know, maybe in almost like an inside linebacker position, like you said, in four outside yeah. linebacker um, packages where he can move around and be a blitzer, um, hit different gaps, etc. Yeah, I mean, I think that's what we'll actually see with Bowser. So I think there there is room for Oway potentially within the within a four OLB. And you know what? This year, because of all the bodies they have, could be a five OLB package. We saw a little bit of that over the last three years with Wink. Uh, and I mean, just a handful of snaps. But the, the personnel is there to do it this year. You need two inside guys. You need two outside guys. And then you need a guy who who essentially is an outside linebacker, but lines up at, at middle linebacker as your Mike uh, uh, with a dime shell around him. And, and Bowser is that guy. There's no reason. Judon has done it. I mean, there's no reason why 
Bowser can't also. He's got even better coverage skills. Uh, I think Bowser also gives you maybe a little bit more on the inside in terms of trying to figure out where which hole is going to take. Not not relative to Judon, but but relative to say other choices like Patrick Queen or or like uh, um, you know Chris Board, whoever it might be on on third down. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. And there could be some ways that this impacts, you know, the inside linebacker position in terms of snaps that they're getting. We could see less of Queen, less of Fort, less of um, Harrison. And that's and it's basically just because you might like the versatility that these edge rushers can bring in those situations. Yeah, I could completely agree. I think I think we could see, you know, uh, approaching the 2019 uh, low in terms of the total snaps played by inside linebacker for the season. And in 2019, I believe it's 1.33 uh, snaps per uh, inside linebacker snaps per defensive play, if that makes sense. So they're only using one and a third right. on average. And, and I think we will see a lot of that. I think we'll see a lot of dime. We will probably see some quarter this year, um, but we'll see some other dime with, with five uh, pure pass rushers and, it, and or, or it may be four and a, and a uh, single defensive lineman like Campbell. It may be five outside linebackers on the field. If Wink really wants to play at extreme uh, based on the personnel they have I mean, McPhee, a guy very comfortable inside. Uh, we've got some questions about who's going to be on the team right now. You mentioned Ferguson moving to the bubble, which I completely agree with. It's, it's unfortunate that a third-year player might be there, but he's another guy who could be inside as well. Yeah, I think Ferguson is definitely at an inflection point in, in his career now. He, he has the opportunity to still carve out a nice role, I think, if he can kind of show that next level in, in training camp. But if he doesn't really take those steps, then he's definitely someone who is at risk on the roster right now. Um, he has some things that the other outside linebackers don't in terms of size. Um, he's probably one of the better edge defenders that they have in terms yes. of setting the edge. Um, but he needs to really show that versatility as an actual pass rusher, too, in order for him to solidify that spot, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And it's it's weird that you acquire a pass rusher and that makes a run defender's job in jeopardy. But that's exactly, I think, what's happened. I, I do also, though, look back to 2020 and say that 2020 defense, one of the real strengths was at outside linebacker, was their ability to, to do all kinds of things with a positional group that was very deep and largely healthy for the season. And the team did very well to have a six to make five on game day roster. And uh, it made some players unhappy. I mean, Jihad Ward, obviously, it might have been one of the reasons he left was that he wasn't active on game day every week. But Ferguson also, you know, sat some games. I, I like that having that kind of depth. I really do, particularly with the pa packages Martindale plays and the likelihood of injury with a couple older players like, like McPhee and Houston on the team. I really like to have that flexibility of having six inside line, uh, sorry, outside linebackers around. Yeah, I agree. I think in a best case scenario, you would carry six outside linebackers, especially with a mix of veterans and youth that the Ravens have. Um, you know, there's always a chance that an injury happens. So you'd like to have another another guy that you can bring in and be confident in. Um, my guess is if they do carry six, um, Hayes will be the guy who's probably going to be the, the, you know, the inactive player on most on most game days. But, you know, potentially it could be uh, Ferguson as well. I think they're probably the, the last two. But I think, you know, considering that Hayes was just drafted, he's not going to be on the roster bubble. They're going to, and, you know, they're going to want to keep him around. Um, but then the question is, um, the other positions on the team, you know, you're, if you're carrying six outside linebackers, there's got to be somewhere that, that you're losing a player that you might have wanted to keep. Yeah, so they have multiple options on this. And, and I don't think we mentioned it so far, but Chris Smith, who was just recently acquired, kind right. of an undersized defensive end at 266 pounds. He was more like a Jihad Ward 
um, five tech slash outside linebacker tweener, which by the way, the Ravens love that kind of player because you can put him in on the race car package and you can kick him onto the inside. But in, in this case, I think he, there's just no room for him at this point. Uh, I, I think Ferguson is still ahead of him on the totem pole. And, you know, you're talking about a guy with two cheap years versus, uh, you know, paying Chris Smith, at least the vet minimum is, is enough of a difference that you probably wouldn't uh, uh, bring him in just to, just to do that job. But I like your other point is that, I don't think that this has to only be considered a problem for the outside linebacker position. There are other positions on this team where the Ravens have, you know, embarrassment of riches. I don't know if I'd really call it, but they have riches and um, they are fairly overstocked at cornerback. They have a lot of safeties on this team right now. And some of them may be in jeopardy from this kind of move. And I think you even uh, at this point have to look at, is this a year where the Ravens go 26 and 24? And they never really do it. But but this could be a year where they go 26 and 24 on defense and offense and say, hey, you know, we just can't carry a seventh wide receiver, even if we would like that to be our 25th offensive player. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean, if you look at the Ravens depth chart right now, especially on defense, it is incredibly deep. There are players on the that roster right now who are not going to be on the Ravens roster that will probably end up on another team's roster, unfortunately. Um, I think it's just going to be a matter of trying to figure out the best fit in terms of what, what the scheme is going to be on defense, who fits that the best. Um, And then some of the, you know, players like Ardarius Stewart, who I would really love to see on the roster who, you know, showed a lot in college. Um, But, you know, how, how do you fit him in? It's it's going to be tough to figure that out. Um, I think guys like, um, you know, uh, the safety uh, Jordan Rich- Richards is that yeah Jordan Richards he's somebody who might be on the bubble now who's a special teams guy you I know agree. Um, they just signed him for I think a one year deal but there's a chance that you know he's gone after this so um, and then like you said on the offensive side of the ball can you really carry two fullbacks if you have six outside linebackers I find that Good unlikely. Question. Yeah, great question. I, I think uh, you know if if you're looking through all the players they've got four safeties who are potentially impacted by this are Darius Washington. Um, they, they have the possibility of uh, Richards being cut. Geno Stone was probably a kind of a guy who was on the margin anyway, a guy they'd hope to keep on the practice squad and then bring up if they needed him. But all those guys, they need to prove they can play in the dime defense. If they can't, then their contribution on special teams will not carry them on this team alone. They have to they have to be able to play that dime role. And, you know, they were skittish about playing Levine there last year after he might have gotten injured in week two, but he was still healthy enough to play special teams. He just They just didn't bring him back in at all to play defense anymore after that. Richard's in for a few snaps, and Richard's actually has played regularly with the Falcons previously, but I don't know that they really trust him to, to play either as a split safety on the back end or, or come up into the box on the dime. Our Darius Washington is an intriguing character and might be the most interesting in terms of, of what he can do in camp. But if he can't do it, you know, all of these safeties have to be concerned about their job. If they're, if their primary role is core special teamer. Yeah, I agree. And I, I got his name wrong earlier. I said, Stuart, um, I think, had somebody else mixed up in my head but um yeah that that's a really an important role that the ravens had especially going back to 2019 you know we had a lot of three safeties on the field at once um maybe you know the ravens think that jimmy smith can be that guy again you know they they tried with that last year but they think that there's some flexibility i think he's better at cornerback um but you know that there's definitely that potential um so maybe you know you're only carrying four safeties uh, like mm-hmm. you said you have to be able to play in that dime role um, and I, th- I think that that's something that is, you know, potentially going to Im- impact some of the, the depth down, down, 
in the end of the year. I mean, we saw that the safety position was kind of a little limiting last year. We're bringing in guys and they were coming and going. Um, so that's going to be interesting to see how that plays out for sure. They were they were really lucky to get through last year with only two safeties really healthy at the end of the year, and and they played every snap. I mean, I, I, and it, and it was Elliot who's had injury problems obviously prior to twenty. Uh, that, that was the you know the keystone in that, and then of course Clark, who's wearing the green dot. You couldn't be more exposed than the Ravens were last year. I don't think they want to go through that again. They've got Brandon Stevens, so it's one player that they'll have at safety available, but. You know, a three to make three situation at safety is not safe. I don't. I don't like the idea of of doing that. I'd rather have that depth guy who really understands the system and they trust to play dime. That's the fourth guy on your roster and is also contributing to special teams. That just to me that makes more sense. Yeah, and then the cornerback question too. The Ravens are d- deep there. You know, Chris Westry has looked good in training camp for all the reports. Um, he's someone that I thought maybe had a chance to make the team, but it's going to be a real struggle for him now. I think. You know, they like his length, they like his size, and he's showing out, but it's going to be probably someone who's going to end up on the, the practice squad again if, if he can stick around at night, if he doesn't get picked up by another team, I mean. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and uh, you know, they'll have some tight decisions to make right around the uh, time the, the season starts because they'll have to they'll have to pick cut some players that they're going to again pick up. And Levine and Richards are prime candidates to be cut at that time and then re-sign immediately after uh, once they get the roster set and they have a chance to, to, to IR some people. But the three-week IR should be should be a really good uh, option for the Ravens this year. It should really help in terms of shuffling in and out some of that talent. Yeah, I, th- I think Levine did that at least once in the past. Uh, I, I could, it could have been four times. Yeah. Like that, but yeah, he's been several times, yeah. Yeah, I think that's probably something that's definitely going to happen. And there might be another veteran who would take that same kind of situation. I mean, you know, it's all understanding that they'll be brought back as soon as as soon as the uh, roster flexibility opens up. So, you know, the, the Ravens are that kind of organization that builds trust, that builds you know relationships with the players who are capable of doing that. So, I think that that's definitely a benefit for them. I did want to briefly bring this back to the the defensive question because I had a you know with Justin Houston, he's I think in a lot of ways similar to what they brought in with Yannick Ngakwe in the mid- midway last year. Yes. Um, someone who can offer a little bit more of an actual edge presence in terms of, you know, just rushing quickly off the edge, getting to the quarterback. Someone you can use in some of these maybe, you know, four pass rusher sets instead of having to blitz. I think that's the reason why they brought in Ngakwe because they got exposed by Patrick Mahomes, didn't want to have to blitz every single time. And we saw the bullets rate kind of trickle down over the course of the season. I'm curious if that's going to be the same kind of thing or with him coming into training camp and kind of incorporate him into the Wink Martindale kind of like crazy, like blitz all the time, have players coming all over the field. I think the Ravens actually got away from that a little bit last year at certain points and hurt their defense because I think that's where they're at their best when they're actually being creating chaos on the field. There's there's two things I'll say about that. First of all, one of the reasons they're at their best when they do that is because they do it against quarterbacks who aren't good with pressure. So you do it against Joe Burrow, you do it against the Philly quarterbacks, and you're going to have success because first of all, those lines suck, and and the second of all, those quarterbacks are not good with pressure. So when you see it, he's chosen. Wink has chosen to do it, and and it's a you know the schematic choice is usually going to be correct because he's very good at discerning what what they should be. So when they blitz less, it's because they don't think they can really afford to. And you know against the Steelers and Roethlisberger getting the ball out very quickly, that sort of a thing's not going to work. And and I, I'm not sure that having different personnel would make a difference. Mahomes is would be you know a similar situation. The other point I'd make about that 
is that it's your off-ball players who also allow you to do that. So having weakness at inside linebacker in terms of coverage with a, with a combination of board and and uh, Queen really not producing in that area last year is, is an area that really hurt the Ravens and, and actually limited their pass rush some. So that's why I'm so big on returning to more dime scheme this year, more dime package, and, and more uh, you know willingness to uh, use that as a significant coverage asset and take your chances in terms of the other teams running the ball. Yeah, I, I agree. I and mean, we've talked about the dime package before at length. And I think it's something that, you know, the Ravens have used to extremely good effect um, a lot, especially, I mean, you look back at the 2019 season, they were deadly in that package. Yeah. Um, so if, if they have that safety now, maybe in Brandon Stevens that they trust as that third safety, um, then I'd like to see them using that a lot more. Right. Yeah. I, I, I think it makes all kinds of sense. And, you know, Chris Board, Put in a tough position last year. Great special teams player who really did not produce in terms of what he did on third down for the Ravens. And, and he was in there in that proxy dime role because he was the best option. They really didn't have a safety that they trusted. And and Board honestly did not get it done. They've, they've often done that with inside linebackers as they've tried to do, try to ask that inside linebacker to do more than he really can reasonably be asked to do. And unfortunately, this was just another time where it didn't work out. And uh, he's, he's a good player. I, you know, I certainly love what he produces for the Ravens on special teams. And there's some defensive contribution he can make for you, not as an every down weak side, sorry, every passing down weak side linebacker. Yeah, I, I agree. And and Chris Board's role in this team is going to be interesting this year as well, how they u- utilize him. You know, they brought him in on a one-year fully guaranteed contract. Mm-hmm. Um, do, do they continue to try and put him in that role? Or do they say, okay, you're just going to be a core special teamer. You really don't have to be on the field and defense outside of like some glaring injury issues that might come up. Um, hopefully, I think that's probably his best role. But, you know, it, they definitely used him a lot last year. Um, so we'll have to wait and see if that, that was strictly a because of the way the safety position was depleted or if it's something that they really wanted to test out with him. Right. It's, it's, I think his contract is a little surprising to me in terms of the dollars they gave him because they went pretty far over the vet minimum to sign him. And he's got a reputation as being a great special teams player and, and, and it's well-deserved, but, but it's still a lot to pay in the Ravens scheme for this and their usual contract, whether it's McClellan or Levine or all the guys over the years, they've signed to these two year deals with a fairly minimal amount of guaranteed money attached to them. And at otherwise vet minimum and board, you know, coming off a big year in year four, he's this is a significant chunk of his career earnings is going to come in 2021. So he, he has to hope to play. But also, I think his long term role in this league is not going to be as an on field linebacker. I think it's going to be as one of these two year at a time Ravens special teams aces who could play till age 31, 32, doing exactly that with the kind of speed and athleticism he brings to the table. If he could make some sort of a contribution to defense yep and of course i think one other player that we kind of briefly mentioned that could be affected in this is patrick queen um does he take that step in his in his second year and and become the three down player um in that case maybe you see a little bit less dime package but if he's still struggling in some of these coverage roles he's going to come off the field in my opinion there's no room to have him out there if he's not going to be playing well you know, it's a great, it's a great point. And somebody asked me the other day. In fact, it was it was Coach Evans. He he said, you know, does this mean Queen gets the green dot this year? Because because you know we've seen some coaching things go on. And um, it, to me, there's that's not happening anytime soon. And and there's two reasons for it. One is Clark is fantastic in the role. 
So there's no reason to take Clark out of it. Number two is that Wink has demonstrated his valuation of having the flexibility to play either zero, one, or two inside linebackers on any play. And you can only do that if, the, if you don't have an inside linebacker with the green dot. I mean, it's just fairly basic. You, yeah, if you're going to take that player off, he can't wear the green dot. Yep. I mean, I don't see a, a chance that the green dot is taken away from Chuck Clark. Um, he's just that player that the Ravens trust. He's the general. He has all the information in his head. He knows everything. He gets players in position. So um, he's going to be on the field. It's it's been such an improvement since Clark came on. You know, with what was the, the defense is falling apart in the first five games of 2019 before Clark took it over, and then all of a sudden they're pretty much the best unit in the league. Um, the, the the pertinent question here is who's the next Green Dot holder if Clark were injured? And I've got my answer, I, but I, I'd love to hear yours. Um, Marlon Humphrey. <laughs> I don't know. It, it wouldn't be a cornerback. I, I think it's fairly obvious it would be Elliott. Mm, okay. That that you all of a sudden he becomes the green dot guy, and maybe you know maybe that means Brandon Stevens transitions to play the back end to play more of that single high because you want more of your strong safety. Uh, you know, taking that green dot role, you, you, it's it's easier for to have guys closer to the line of scrimmage. Uh, Clark is an unusual guy in that he's an every down safety who the Ravens would bring up to play dime in 2019, yep. and I think they could come back to that, and that would mean like Stevens and, and Elliott on the back end. Um, it's it's a it's a fascinating set of puzzle pieces Wink has to work with right now. He, he's got to be so excited with the acquisition of Houston and, and, and how many of the, of the deficiencies of this defense have now been addressed. Yeah. And one of the really um, kind of intriguing things with Houston too, um, if he, and Clay's Campbell two two really polished veterans who've had outstanding careers. Um, neither one of them have a Super Bowl championship. Um, I think that, you know, that's obviously the goal. That's why Houston came here. I think that for Houston, he's, I think, 97 and a half sacks in his career. Um, so he's almost to 100. And I think Campbell was right there too. So there's a chance that both of those players, both of those players could reach 100 sacks this year, um, which would be really an interesting kind of feat to happen in this defense. Yeah, I, I, you know, it's it's the kind of thing I didn't know about Justin Houston being that close, and that's uh, that's interesting. And you're right, 97 and a half. Uh, so he'll probably get there. All I can say about this is that early in 2003, when Frank Sanders had been signed from Arizona, the, the announcer at uh, at M&T Bank said, and that's the 500th catch of Frank Sanders' career. <laughs> it was the third catch of the season he had. But was, you know, just a few catches he had with the Ravens. And I'm like, I was never more underwhelmed by the actual moment <laughs> of uh, that sort of a milestone. So anyway, Justin used his, if he gets eight sacks with the Ravens, fantastic. He gets two and a half sacks with the Ravens, gets number one, uh, 100 with us, we got used. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I think, in terms of what he's actually going to produce, he's probably in the six to eight sack range. Um, I think that's like a likely kind of amount that he can get in the you know this kind of part time pass rusher role. Um, the Ravens obviously have a lot of guys who can get after the quarterback now, um, and you know Wink loves to blitz his his uh, defensive backs too. Mm-hmm. They, you probably get more sacks out of defensive backs than any other team in in the NFL. So you know there's, there's going to be a lot of sacks to go around. So I don't expect any one player to probably notch you know probably more than a dozen that's probably the highest you would see um but i think i think houston's definitely going to have an impact even if the sack totals aren't in the double digits right i i'd agree oh this came up on a show just last week though somebody asked the question um 
what's the highest rate of sacks by snaps played? And I think I know the answer right now. Uh, Terrell Suggs, as a situational pass rusher as a rookie, played 39.2% of the snaps and had 12 sacks. So wow. that's that's really remarkable when you get to it. So uh, hopefully less means more for Houston, as we said, and and uh, and he can uh, generate a lot of sacks and a lot of pressure in the time he uh, he has this year. Yeah, definitely. And it might be another one of the Ravens outside linebackers that benefits in terms of the actual sack numbers. Mm-hmm. If, if Houston is someone who's generating attention, you could have someone like like Bowser, who's getting in there kind of maybe in some more unblocked kind of pass rushes than he was able to earlier. So I could see that there's definitely going to be, you know, a kind of a rising tide lifts all the boats in situation here. Yeah, that definitely be exactly what would be uh, what would be great. Uh, Gabe, so much fun discussing this with you. Uh, we appreciate having you on the show. Tell folks where you can find your work. Yeah, um, thanks. Thanks, Ken, for having me. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Gabe Fergie. Um, I am co-hosting Situation Room, who is which is being hosted by Ken's website here, Home Study Baltimore. Um, we're actually planning on recording a podcast tomorrow after a summer long hiatus. Now the training camp is underway. So uh, my co-host Jordan Coe and I will be kind of breaking down some of this talk, some of you know the other things that have happened over the off season and, and looking at what we're looking forward to in the coming season. Looking forward to that. It's a great show. Jordan and Gabe really know their stuff and they're on this show a lot. Two of my favorite guests. They, they know their football at a, at a very high level. Really appreciate it, uh, Gabe. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, I appreciate it. It's a lot of fun talking about the Ravens. And we'll talk to you next time on Film Study. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue. All in the Kroger app. Get three pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.